Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. Hi, I'm Susan Shireko, and I'd like to thank you for listening in today. I'd like to think of this as a turning point for you so that you can stop thinking of your situation as a disaster. It may be an event of great loss. However, you're standing on the brink of rebuilding and even creating something even better than you had before. How would you like that? I'd like to start by asking you a question. Has anyone ever given you a road map to help you rebuild? I couldn't find one when I was going through this myself, and it's a large part of why I probably am doing this series now. I mean, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to look for. There wasn't a Surviving a Disaster for Dummies book out that would help me know what to do to cope with this aftermath of a landslide. I found that it's really helpful to have a map, a real visual map that shows you where you are and where you want to go. The specific choices of what you decide to do with your map and what, how you'll play it all out are really up to you. But with a map, you have some perspective on the situation. So I strongly suggest that you find a map. And if one doesn't exist, that you do the research to create one for yourself. Now, I've used a number of maps as I've gone through my own journey. The first maps were really single steps. And then they became more like milestone maps, where I would have stepping stones that formed a path that led from one spot, one goal, and then to the next. And each goal built upon the one before until it became all part of a vision and a purpose. And even though I have rebuilt my life and moved on to what others call a dream opportunity, I still find myself creating maps for the next stages of my own journey. Today, I'd like to share one map or diagram with you. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And it's a little tricky because, I mean, I'm talking on, on a video, not on video, but with a verbal medium only. So I'm going to ask you to picture this, this triangle or, or pyramid, if you will. And then it's going to show you how we grow throughout our lives, starting with the things that we do instinctually to survive and then moving towards self-actualization. If you're able to write this down, great, because it'll make it simpler. Uh, I want you to draw a very big triangle and draw lines across it as we talk. All in all, there will be seven levels. We're going to start at the bottom, the broad base of the triangle. And what goes in there is level one, instinctual. At that level, we're really talking about safety and taking care of ourselves. And at level two, it's habitual. It's our psychology. It's how we learn to stand and to walk and 
how we get through a day. Level three is intentional. It's the I will factor to go and do and take action in our lives. When we get up to level four, we're talking about creative awareness and our connection to quantum consciousness. And to get to level five, which is self-reflection, we have to have a fairly calm relationship or understanding of creating awareness so that we can become aware of ourselves in relation to others. Level six is the transformational result of mindful observing. And finally, level seven is enlightenment. By the way, this is not about checking off achieving seven levels because it's a pretty big picture of the path of human life. But it does give you a quick overview of levels you're going to be going through in the process of rebuilding your life. The reason I've chosen this model is because when something extremely negative or devastating happens to you, such an experience that we would call shock or loss, no matter what you have accomplished in your life up until that date, it feels as if this entire pyramid collapses down around you. You've heard that old saying, my world came tumbling down. Well, this is it. That's what it's like. And we're brought down to the first level. Our instinctual need for safety and our life-preserving activities that start the moment we're born. We have to go back to the basics. Whatever plans we had, they've been torn up. They've been tossed out. They're destroyed. We may rigidly try to hang on to them. But the more we resist what has just happened to us, the more miserable we become. Now, I, I have a visualization that I listened to um, several years ago that really resonated with me. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that's sort of along these lines. It, in it, I was struggling in the water and hanging onto the brush at the side for dear life. It was a stream of some sort, and the water was very, very rough. Well, the water tore at me. The branches beat me, and I kept hanging on to them. I mean, I would die if I didn't hang on to them, wouldn't I? And then a boat appeared next to me. And I came to understand that if I was willing to let go, I could get into the boat where it would be calmer. I wouldn't be at such risk. And I finally realized that it was the only way to escape the pain of being in those rough waters. I didn't do it instantaneously, but eventually I let go and climbed into the boat. The water was still rocky, but better than it had been. So I sat down and began to row upstream against the flow of the water. It was very hard work. Let go, whispered in my mind. The boat was tugging against the the ropes that held it to shore and cast off, I heard. Relax. Everything you need is downstream. You do not have to work so hard. The current of your desires will carry you along. Remove all resistances. I even raised my oars so that I could float freely downstream, passing all manner of things along the way. My sole responsibility was to keep one finger on the rudder 
to keep me moving toward my desires. All the rest was being taken care of for me. I love that image. I continue to journal on this regularly. I remind myself to cast off the lines and pull the anchors up that hold me to shore. I leave my oars up too to remind myself that I don't have to work that hard. It only takes one finger on the rudder to steer in the direction I want to go. And every time I see myself climbing into the boat, I feel reassured. I have all that I need to travel as I reconnect to that sense of moving freely downstream toward all that I want, riding on the wave of desire. Now, when we're struggling, our conscious mind doesn't think very well. So the subconscious mind takes over. It's responsible for all the the bodily functions that are automatically going on and, and ultimately responsible for our survival. So our most primal instinct is to breathe. And as soon as we get enough air, we start to relax. Deep, slow breaths help us feel better. So why don't you try it for a second. Breathe in through your nose for a count of four. Pause. And then release the air through your mouth. Breathe in, thinking calmness. Breathe out. Breathe in deeply, thinking peace. Breathe out. Breathe in, thinking relaxation. Breathe out. Oh, it has an immediately calming effect on me when I do that. And it makes it easier for me to realize what's going on around me and how to deal with it. Before you'll be able to gather the inner resources you need to pick up the pieces after your loss, you will need to work with your subconscious minds as it performs its primary function to save your life and keep your body running. We basically go into shock and go into autopilot. And at this first level of the pyramid, we're not thinking about anything except safety and survival. At this point, our goals are to get to a safe location, make sure that everyone's medical needs are met, find a place to shelter, preferably with other people, and husband our resources. So where are you now? Are you safe or are you in danger? If you're in imminent danger, you need to call for help and find a way to get out of that environment right away. I mean, call 911, call a friend or family member and let them know what's happening. You'll not be able to focus on anything else when your safety and that of those around you is your primary concern. So is there anything around you that that can hurt you, cut you, burn you, fall on you, drown you, poison you? You need to get away from that and move out of danger as soon as you can. And if you can't get away from it, call 911, call a friend, call a neighbor, the fire department, the police. Any one of them will, will come to your assistance if they only know where you are and what the situation is. You have to tell them what's wrong. And then they can tell you what to do. And you have to keep breathing. In order to tell them where you are, you have to have that presence of mind to know your name and your address. 
And you do that by keeping breathing. Are you going to be evacuated? Well, grab your essentials. I mean, maybe you're prepared. Maybe you have your little checklist and you, you've got it all ready to go. Well, now would be the time to grab it. Pack what you think you need for the, at least a week and get to safety. I didn't have that. I, did, I wasn't ready for a disaster. And I have to say that what you take will very much be determined by what, where you think you're going. Um, I didn't take very much with me when I left. My computer, a couple of books my husband Peter had just written, some important papers I thought we might need if the house fell down. Uh, I, I was going to a friend's house, and I didn't expect that I would be gone long. But when we came back and reassessed the situation, then I took things to my friends that I would need over a much longer period of time. I mean, I threw as much clothing as I could into a garbage bag. I filled other bags with items that, you know, you have personal hygiene stuff, your shampoo and your deodorant and your makeup and, and any medical stuff you needed. For me, it was, you know, a bottle of aspirin. Um, but hopefully you know where you're going to stay. And if you don't, then you may need to take supplies that will enable you to camp for a while or you'll take food and water or prescription medicines. You'll take things for your pets. You'll take things for the elderly and disabled or your children. You'll you'll bring them toys. You'll rescue family photos and you'll you'll bring information that tells you how to get hold of friends and family when you're not at home. Whatever you take with you is going to reassure your subconscious mind that you're going to be okay and that you're not alone. Wherever you find shelter, Red Cross or friends and family, it's all about the basics of getting care for yourself and your loved ones so that you can relax over coffee and drink a glass of water, eat some food, wrap yourself in a blanket, get as physically comfortable as you can because you're in, a, in an alien space and you want to feel comfortable enough to be able to fall asleep. And you want to be able to connect with other people in order to share this experience and how you feel about it. Once we've settled down, of course, we begin to take in what's really happened to us. And the shock wears off. And once the shock wears off, we begin to realize the magnitude of what we've just gone through. And we may start to be afraid. We may feel helpless, hopeless, and just generally anxious. It's a, it's a very frightening period of time. But that's why the people around us who are outside of our emergency are much better equipped to help us deal with the critical aspects of our situation. At the beginning, I mean, they want to help us with our most basic needs. They want to help us feel safe and secure and connect us with the social support systems that we have in place. We can only begin to think things through when we have de-stressed and started to reconnect to our life. And part of that is talking about what has happened. As we tell our story, we we become aware of our losses and we start to grieve and people help us. They help us think it through. And gradually, we begin to face the major problems that are in front of us. Now, I can't tell you how long it's going to take before you get 
out of interim housing. Um, if you're in a you know a government facility, you know they're pretty good about trying to get us into more comfortable housing quickly. But when you're staying with friends or family, it could be a little bit longer. We stayed with friends from our church. Oh, it must have been six weeks before we finally found a place that we were ready and able to rent and where we could bring all of our animals back together again. But even if you don't have to leave your house or your home, it's good to be around other people. Um, So reach out so you can talk about what happened. Um, What are the most important things you're trying to solve? What's the worst thing about all of this? What most upsets you? You can bounce ideas off other people. You can ask questions. You can even find something funny out of the entire experience. Uh, Peter and I have a, a certain amount of black humor in ours, uh, in our landslide. Uh, we had, we'd owned this house for a long time, and we wanted to move to a bigger ranch. But we weren't ready yet. We didn't have the wherewithal to do it. And so we said, ah, we need to, what, how are we ever going to do this? And we looked at all our stuff and we thought, how will we ever stage a house? We have so much stored here that we won't, you know, we're going to have to empty the house before we could sell it. And then since we weren't planning on emptying the house, we just went on about our lives. But after the landslide, we look back and we say that was the universe's way of emptying our house. We had laughed about it. We had talked about it. We would played with the idea. We had created an environment in which the universe was ready to ask and answer our prayer. <laughs> it, it was a little bit odd. But if the people you're with don't have the answers for you, um, they may point you in the right direction to resources they know about, organizations, maybe even support groups. The most important piece of information that we received came to us through the woman we were staying with. Um, I would come home every day and talk about the problems we were experiencing, and it turned out that she had her boss had a an uncle who was an expert in geology and in landslides specifically, and he was able to connect us to a number of attorneys who would have the right expertise to help us explore alternatives and develop some sort of an action plan or find other sources of help. Um, so our our next uh, stepping zones involve moving from an emergency base of operations to something a little more long-term, even if it's still temporary. In our case, it was fairly easy to find friends who would let us stay with them for a few weeks. But our animals were another story. We had to find a different shelter for each one of them. And for several weeks, we had to rescue whatever we could, find storage, clean up, and deal with government regulations. And ultimately, we needed that attorney to help us establish some semblance of order and get on with our lives. That led to more stepping stones that I would not have known in the immediate aftermath. And it was... was, it was very much like being in a foggy area. And you step forward in the fog parts, and it shows you the next steps that are available to you. And that was happening to us every day. That advice from that attorney was the best we got. 
He told us it would take a couple years to resolve the financial issues. He would take care of the legal aspects of that, and we were to go on with our lives. And that revealed the next steps, that we had to find a long-term place to, to stay. It would be a place that would allow us to bring our dispersed family of animals and us back together. So once that was found, we could begin to move forward onto the next level of Maslow's Pyramid. Remember our map? Establishing a healthy habitual routine. Now later, our goals would be to get better, to restore our lifestyle, be made whole, rebuild our lives and create something even better. But for this period of time, it was all about creating a new routine. So let me just give you a a few tips about going through this particular period. This is information that I I received uh, primarily from one of the women at church who is a psychologist. And she, I came to her at one point and I said, I, when does the depression hit? And she looked at me and she said, I'm going to give you several steps, several things to do, that if you do them on a regular basis, they can help you or prevent you from having to um, take medicine, you know, in order to get through uh, this, the crisis. So these, this is basically what she recommended to me. This is a very sensitive time period. You have to deal with so many feelings. So don't push yourself too hard. Take every opportunity you can to reduce the stress around you. Don't watch disaster movies or news on the media. You have plenty of your own disaster. Watching someone else's only makes you feel worse. Give chores to your children. They feel helpless. They don't know what to do. So give them something they can do to help make the situation better. Uh, The item that was recommended in one of the... uh, counseling books I checked on said help them create that home emergency disaster kit, the one you use to be prepared that you didn't make. Let them make it now. Then create routines from before the disaster or reestablish new ones. Routine provides you a structure. It helps stave off depression. It reestablishes some sense of normalcy in your life and helps you reduce stress. Specifically, get seven to nine hours of sleep daily. Eat good meals as if you were cooking for company. Get exercise and stay active. Breathe. Deep breathing works miracles. Laugh. (laughs) Watch 30 minutes of some silly program every day. Surround yourself in beauty or pray, or meditate. Study something new. Talk to a friend you can confide in every day and stay connected with your family and other friends. These are your support system. Friendship is important. Then if you need help, you will have someone there to be with you. You may need to rebuild on your own, but you do not have to do it alone. Replace habits that no longer serve you, like your thought habits called paradigms. 
Sometimes they are negative thought habits. Sometimes they're just sloppy, think, you know, stinking thinking, to borrow a phrase from 12-step work. But that's, that's replacing habits. Think about how to change the habits that are getting in your way. It's, it's very hard to move forward when you're battling against pre-existing problems. Be of service. You feel much better when you help other people. And start to say thank you for everything. Thank the people who are helping you. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Make a list every morning of what you have to be grateful for. I mean, it's okay to start with the most basic if you're not feeling very grateful. Say thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you that the sun came up. Thank you that stars make beautiful, beautiful displays above your head. It's, it is probably one of the most powerful messages. If you never said another prayer in your life except thank you, you would be making a step in the right direction. So give yourself permission to heal. The trauma that we experience can reach into every aspect of our life, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Once we reestablish our new habits, it establishes a rhythm in our life again so that once we have spent time healing, then we can begin to focus on what we intend to have our purpose, both short-term and long-term purpose, vision, and goals. Intention. That's the next step on our map. That's the next step on that triangle. Now, you'll know when you're ready to think into the future and, what, when you're, you know, and identify what you want now. Um, my personal journey started with physical healing which led to kinesiology, a grief journey, and changing my paradigms. The negative thought habits, habits that basically start, we're being conditioned by them from the time we're born. And as we move in that direction that I've just described, we gain something even more appealing. Peace of mind, joy, and a sense of well-being. That's where we're headed when we start out on this journey of rebuilding our life. We need tools that empower us, and we need to retrain our brains to support us and come to see this situation as an opportunity to improve our circumstances. The skills you're going to learn here as you rebuild will serve you well for the rest of your life. As soon as you're able... I recommend that you start to deal with both the outer circumstances you find yourself in and the inner work that provides you the strength to carry forward. If you've listened to the other episodes, you may recognize that a common pattern runs through the experiences of others, that our ability to rebuild our lives and uncover new possibilities lies in what we're telling ourselves and also what we're telling other people. That's where the inner work helps us. We want to make sure we stop dwelling on the negatives, the excuses, the pain, and we start telling the story that helps us move forward in a positive direction. In reality, we're going to keep working on our habits 
even as we move to the next step, when we intentionally design what we want in our lives, that doesn't stop. In fact, I remember reading something from uh, Louise Hayes and Cheryl Richardson when they wrote their book together, and, and they talk about the fact that we never stop this process of learning to think in a more positive way. Our lives just keep getting better and better in, along the way. So that's, that, that brings me to, to a, an end of this, this session. Um, before I, I close it out, I'd like to offer you this as your calls to action. If you are in imminent danger, please call for help. Get to safety. If you have time, pack what you'll need. But after that, look at the routines and habits you use daily. If they've been disrupted, get back to them as soon as possible or build new ones like the ones I mentioned before. Start saying thank you as often as possible. Find something. And when you wake up in the morning, run through a list. Work yourself up to find 10 things to be grateful for every day and write them in your journal. You are on a journey to rebuild and even recreate your life. So brainstorm. Write down any and all ideas that pop into your mind about what you'd like to do, be, or have. Daydream. If one of those ideas resonates with you, play with it. Allow your mind to play a movie of how you'll feel when you really have that in your environment. And if you feel that one of those ideas will move you forward toward what you want and what you need right now, well then, do it. Take an action toward that. Inspired actions are the way to rebuild, to pursue your dreams, and to overcome what's holding you back. You can accomplish anything when you continuously take and decide to take action that moves you toward the creation of what you desire. You can choose rainbows over ruins. And you can move from loss to prosperity. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.